All right, welcome back to Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, joined, as always, by Jake Miller. And Jake, we're heading into week five, and how are you feeling so far? Quarter of the season's already gone through, and I'm really surprised it's been going so quick. It literally, the time between football seasons feels like a drag from hell. But now that we're actually in the football season, I feel like it's going too quick. That's how it always feels, man. I I always feel like the season never lasts long enough. Yeah, we're at the quarter pole, but at the same time, we're now starting to learn who are contenders and who are pretenders because heading into week four, we have three unbeaten teams and two winless teams. And that's where we're going to start with, Jake, is our Eyes on Five recap of week four. And we're going to go off into my first game of the week, which I'm going to say this right now. I watched as much as I could after editing last episode. I went to bed for two and a half hours and woke up for this game. And Jake, that was Jacksonville Jaguars in London, which is basically their second home. They took down the Atlanta Falcons 23 to 7, but they also played in Andy's room and I just want to take a quick moment to talk about that I thought that what ESPN plus did was absolutely incredible I thought the motion capture was picture perfect considering the fact that you turned them into toys you had slinky dog as the chain gang you had the claw setting the ball I always thought that was just really cool I absolutely love that I would love to see that more in the future And we also have, I mean, Nickelodeon, I think, is going to be having a playoff game this year. But more importantly, this game, and I'll start with Desmond Ritter. You look at his stats, 19-31 for 191, a touchdown and two picks. But Jake, one of those touchdowns, of course, it went back for six, thanks to Darius Williams, former Ram, and that's what he did when he was with the Rams. He was a cluer, and he jumped a lot of routes. Now, Bijan, Jake, I told you if the Falcons had a chance to win this game, they would need Bijan to run the air out of the ball, get 100 yards, and he did that, 14 for 105. But what is with Arthur Smith and not liking Drake London and Kyle Pitts? (laughs) They combined for five catches and 49 yards. Now, at least Drake London had a touchdown, but Jonu Smith was your leading receiver with six catches and 95 yards. Jonu Smith, a man who has been primarily used as a blocking tight end when he was with Tennessee with Arthur Smith. This is just, what is going on, Jake, with the Falcons? I look at this team and I understand Vegas absolutely loved them heading into the season. And I told you, I did not trust the Falcons. Granted, my pick for that division isn't looking great either. But Jake, this Falcons team, their defense is awful. You let Trevor Lawrence march down the field pretty well, 23-30 for 207 and a touchdown. But they had 32 rushes for 105 yards. You can't have that, Jake. Yeah, this game is solely going down with the Falcons. Arthur Smith really needs to wake up and understand like, hey, I have a Cadillac, a Ferrari, a Lamborghini in my garage and I'm driving a 2002 Ford Focus with the freaking wheel that's flat. I just don't understand it. 
Yes, I love that Bijan is getting attempts in, in the passing game, and he's really doing phenomenal in the running game. Only 14 carries for 105 yards, five catches for 32 yards. So he's showing the versatility, which I love. They're giving him opportunities. He is the only player in this offense that is looking like how he should look. Drake London, okay, yeah, they actually decided to throw to him. He nearly had a second touchdown, but he just couldn't get his feet inbound. I, if Kyle Pitts doesn't, it gets dealt by the middle of the year before the trade deadline, it wouldn't shock me. They're not using him right. I don't know if it's just because they don't have a quarterback like what Matt Ryan did, what Matt Ryan was when he was a rookie, when Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards, or what? It's just perplexing as all hell, and I don't get it. I the Jags. They did what they had to do. Lawrence wasn't flashy, but he did what had to be done. Got 42 yards rushing, almost 80% completion percentage. Not great on the yards or the touchdown side of things, but hey, you really don't got to do much when Josh Allen goes for three bloody sacks. Exactly. He he was absolutely killing it. And yet, Jake, I just pulled up the snap count for the Falcons, and... Finally, Kyle Pitts had more snaps than Jonu Smith, 32 to 26, and Michael Pruitt at 25. But Jake, like you said, you have a Lamborghini, you have a Ferrari, you have a Maserati, you have you have all of these weapons at your disposal, and you said Ford Focus. I think they're basically the Honda Civic on offense, which is reliable only on Bijan like they are so Bijan reliant I think more importantly is Jacksonville they needed this win like I said early on and back last week because they needed to show could they win games that they had really no issue with like there were games where I thought they should just absolutely dominate and they did in this game which they need because moving forward they're going to have a rough road but jake let's go to your first game switching gears here what was your first game again my first game was the texans and steelers i told you at the beginning of the year and i've said this before i thought the texans were at least going to be a sub 500 team not a like a top three top five pick type team in the nfl draft because i loved the D'Amico Ryan's hire, and I was really high on C.J. Stroud. He was my QB1, and he's showing it. He is on record pace with how he is throwing the ball. He still hasn't thrown an interception, and the amount of yards he is getting in these first four games he's played. He is playing like the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year, if not a top three. And the band of your existence being Nico Collins, I mean... Ugh. He he shredded the Steelers' secondary. We finally got Dalton Schultz in there. He's more healthy and not banged up, and he's showing like, hey, I'm good. Jonathan Grenard getting two sacks. This defense can play, and D'Amico is bringing these guys up and showing them how to play in the NFL. And I love the creativity with the Devin Singletary passing touchdown. That was just beautiful. The Steelers, on the other hand... Uh, Mino Likey. I don't know what I am seeing. Kenny Pickett went, went out with a bone bruise. He's expected to play this coming week, which... Eh? 
Depending on how bad the bone bruise is, I don't know how I feel about that. Najee Harris finally averaged over five yards a carry for four, on 14 carries. The only thing I love that Matt Canada is doing is he's throwing the ball to his running backs. But when your leading receiver in catches is Jalen Warren for 26 yards on six catches, I don't like that. It's literally just screen, screen, run, screen, screen, and try not to have Pickett get killed. That is literally this offense. And how do you not get a single sack on C.J. Stroud when the Texans are down four out of their five O-line starters? They they got a lot of pressure. Not a single sack, though. Yeah, and Jake, I'm not going to let you run from this. You had the Steelers as your team to win the AFC North. And this team... I, I think it's a competition between the Steelers and the Giants on which team's worse. And the crazy thing is, is that the Steelers are 2-2. Two and two. They were 2-1 and one entering this game. Exactly. And like, and like you said, Kenny Pickett, I mean, yeah, he went out with that bone bruise. But to be honest, it's not like he was doing a whole lot while he was in there. 15-23 for 114 and a pick. This offense, Matt Canada... I think he's trying to compete with Nathaniel Hackett on who is a worse offensive coordinator. Because I look at this Steelers team, Jake, there's no juice. You basically have a team that is designed to go down big, and then they can't even come back. I mean, they lost 30-6, to Jake. And we don't consider Houston to be fantastic. I know, granted, you did have them surprising people. I didn't think they would be terrible, but I'm always hesitant to put my arms around rookie quarterbacks a la C.J. Stroud when we've had Ohio State quarterbacks who have been absolute letdowns. But he played very well. But what I like, Jake, is they ran the ball 38 times for 139 yards. They're not putting C.J. Stroud into too many dangerous situations. And Damian Pierce finally had a game. It wasn't a ton, 24 carries for 81 yards, but it at least showed that you're able to get the run game going, get it established, which you absolutely need as you move forward. Because don't look now, but Houston and the Jaguars, I believe, are now tied in the division, and Houston beat them. I think Houston is actually in first place in this division, which, granted, we're at the quarter pole, so we're definitely not... The, the season ain't over yet, but that is shocking to me. Now, I love D'Amico Ryans. He was a former player, fantastic player with the Eagles. I had no doubt in him as a coach. I more had doubt of the talent on this team, but, you know, they're clearly proving me wrong. I mean, Nico Collins, I picked the wrong time to drop him and jump on the Tank Dell bandwagon in fantasy. Not making that mistake again. Nico Collins is back on my team. But also, the other thing, Jake, they're playing very clean football. C.J. Stroud is yet to throw a pick. That, I think, tells a lot as well because it's showing that while he is cautious with the football, he's not just taking dump downs. He's actually chucking it deep. And this team is very, very sneaky. I, really I don't is. think I don't think playoffs is out of the question. And I just looked it up. They're second in their division because everybody in that division is two and two. Colts are number one. Texans are number two. Jags are three, and Titans are four. Like we both would have thought. Okay, that yeah, that's about right. That's wild, Jake. The Texans are actually 
they have a chance to win this division. I think if they can beat Jacksonville again, they might surprise us with a division win. But moving into my second game, I had the Cardinals Niners. Niners absolutely trounced the Cardinals 35 to 16. Though I will say this game was at one point a little bit closer than we might think. San Fran ran away with it at the end, but I believe the game at one point, it might've been 21-16 or 20, I think at one point it was, yeah, at one point it was 21-16 before San Fran ran away with it. Jake, Brock Purdy, is he ever going to really have a bad game? I mean, 20-21 for 283, and he only threw one touchdown, but that's because Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey's going to be in the MVP conversation all year if he keeps doing this. I mean, he has a touchdown, Jake, in 13 straight games, regular season or postseason. I believe he tied Jerry Rice on that, and he has a chance to break that record this upcoming week. I hate to say it, I think my Seahawks might be a little bit in trouble. Not so much because I don't think they can beat the Niners, but I think that it's because if Brock Purdy keeps playing like this, I mean, 20-21 is insane. You can't really do much better than that outside of being perfect. Ayuk had six catches for 148 yards. He was uncoverable. Even McCaffrey out of the backfield and lining up out wide, he also had seven catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. And Jake, this defense has been locked down. Even though they only have one sack, they had seven quarterback hits, and Josh Dobbs was under pretty good pressure. Now, he had a good game, 28-41, 265, and two touchdowns, but James Conner dropped the ball, Jake. I know this Niners defense is good. 11 carries for 52 yards, and Joshua Dobbs was only four yards behind him with one more carry. You can't have that. Oh, easy. Dobbs did the best he could. It's 66% completion rating. 265 and the two touchdowns. I mean, hell, he's impressed me as he's not playing with the highest level of talent. But I think the one thing that they can look forward to is they have a legit number two now in Michael Wilson. That kid can play seven catches, 76 yards, and two touchdowns. Going for one receiver getting two touchdowns by itself against this Niners defense is saying something. Because... It's a pain in the ass to really do anything. Oh, and random trivia fact, Willie Sneed is still playing, and he's alive still. Yeah, I saw that, and I heard them say Sneed, and I was like, that can't be Willie Sneed, right? Hold on, he's still playing? And it, yeah, that did surprise me. And then Jake, you're right, Michael Wilson, he absolutely had a coming out party, even though the yardage numbers didn't look crazy the catches he made were amazing he he caught every pass that was thrown his way and I do think that there's a chance that Kyler does come back and this team I think they might play just well enough though to get themselves out of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes now there are still good quarterbacks I wouldn't be surprised if they did try and move Kyler but you look at this Sam Fran point differential they are beating teams by a combined 125 to 58 a six plus 67 point differential that is that's phenomenal even with like i know the dolphins are insane but 
we look at San Fran, they basically are walking 30 points. Even my Seahawks, they only have a plus 20, and they're 3-1. and one. The Niners are the best team in the NFC by far. I know, Eagles fans, I love your team. I love Hurts. I love A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. But you guys have not looked like yourself. The Niners, Jake, I think are the best team in the league, or in, at least in the NFC. Don't know about in the league, but it's pretty close on that. I think they, you know what? Yeah, they, they are the best team in the league right now, considering. But Jake, let's move into your second game. You had Rams-Colts. Yeah, you know, Anthony Richardson, he has to really work out his accuracy issues right now. I mean, 11 for 25, I love the 200 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, he needs to get a guidance system on that missile so he can finally start throwing it accurately. That was That's the only thing I have against him as a quarterback. I mean, he got two... Passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. 56 rushing yards on the ground. I mean, hell. The freaking Colts defense came out to play as well. You had Kenny Moore getting a pick. Deo Ogbedingo. However, you probably butchered that last name. How he came out the half, sack and a half. Stafford actually didn't play too bad. He had 319. One touchdown. He did have a pick, but hey. Puka Nakua came back and just said, I'm back, bitches. And Kyron Williams, I mean, hell, the guy did good. 25 carries, 103 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. He even had 24 in the passing game. I mean, you really can't ask much more from either team. The only thing I really will say about the Rams is they did allow the Colts to come back pretty easy in the second half. And it did go to OT, and you're lucky Puka's kind of having the greatest rookie receiver season we've seen since probably Randy Moss. I mean, he's so having far. the <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's having the greatest almost the pace he's on Jake is better than Cooper Cups and Calvin Johnson's was through these first 4 games. That's mind-boggling because you think about those two and the seasons that they had Jake when Calvin set broke the record, and then when you also had Cooper Cup, who got very, very close to the record, he's outpacing both of them. Nine catches, 163 yards, and he got his first career touchdown, which just so happened to be the game-winning touchdown. And this defense, Aaron Donald, Jake, he's just, he's that guy, even still. I mean, is there any question that Aaron Donald was just a dominant force? Because he's so... Every play, he was just about getting to Anthony Richardson, even though Anthony Richardson was able to keep him kind of at bay. He only got sacked twice for a loss of four yards, but he did lose a fumble, which he just can't do. That's why they were down 23-0. But the fact that they were able to come back and make this an overtime game, and it came down to a coin flip, basically, because I do think if Indianapolis had won the coin toss... I have no doubt that they probably would have won the game because they had all the momentum. And you're right, Jake. Anthony Richardson, he needs a guidance system on that rocket that he has because at one point he was 5 of 15. That's not very good. You, you, you don't want to be 5 of 15. But he, what I liked about this, Jake, is the Colts showed us that 
They have a legit defense still. Zaire Franklin, he was tackling everything in sight. Like you said, Kenny Moore had a pick. And this defense, especially their corners, they've been much maligned. We've we've been hard on their corners because they have been a little rough. And the crazy thing is, Jake, I just realized I just remembered this. Indianapolis missed a field goal. Now Brett Maher did miss two, but that was that is something to keep in mind. This game, the Rams probably should have won this much easier, but the Colts definitely had a chance to win this game, and I think they showed that even with a rookie, a very raw rookie in Anthony Richardson, they have a very good chance to at least have a chance to win this division. But Jake, let's go into our final game for our Eyes on 5 recap of Week 4. And Jake, this was our game of the week Bills, Dolphins, what we thought was going to be a very high-scoring affair, it turned into a blowout, 48-20. to Buffalo just steamrolled Miami. I can tell you this, I didn't expect that. I definitely didn't expect it either. It, became, it was a shootout the first five drives because the first five drives all end up in touchdowns. It was 21-14, and then I think Miami just got either I wouldn't say too big for their britches but just error starting to pop up and if you give Buffalo an inch they're gonna take it a mile they will literally just take every a yard you give them and make it a touchdown the, you said the Niners are the best team in the league. I think the Bills are the best team in the league. The only one that could really even come to compete with them would maybe be Kansas City. The 49ers could give them a run for their money too, but I think the Bills are the number one team in the league at the moment. You have them being so balanced with the run game. They ran the ball through three different backs 22 times. They, they've only been having Josh Allen run it four or five times a game, if not even less. I love this balanced approach. Stephon Diggs, 120 yards and three touchdowns. And yes, you did win the game, but you did lose Tredavious White to an ACL injury again. Unfortunately, he is going to be out for the rest of the year. That is the only big thing that came out of this game besides the Dolphins just making a couple of errors and it just the, the Bills took everything they gave him and more. Well, I think what really hurt this team, Jake, what hurt the Dolphins was Raheem Mostert's fumble. That turned the game on its head by snap of a finger. It was so... Because, like you said, the first five drives ended in touchdowns. And Tua was... I mean, you look at Tua's stat line. 25 of 35 for 282, a touchdown and a pick. And the pick, that ball sailed on him. It was just unfortunate. But, Jake, I understand why you say that the Bills are the best team. But I can't quite put them there because we did see, I can't forget week one. I understand that Josh Allen, you know, Aaron Rodgers going down brought a lot of emotion to a Jets team that a lot of people thought would have been sapped. But Josh Allen, he vomited all over himself in that game. Now, I like what he has done since then. I mean, he had the same amount of touchdown passes as incompletions. There's not much more you can do on that one. But the biggest thing to Buffalo's success right now, Jake, is the fact, like you said, they're running the football. Now, you look at the total, they only ran it for 104 yards in total, 
but they did run it 29 times as opposed to 25 passes. They made the most of their runs as they could. Now, James Cook, 12 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. You're going to want that to be a little bit higher because that's really, really low considering how he had been playing. And also, I hate to poo-poo this, but Stefan Diggs, that long touchdown he had, that was more on Miami's defense for getting how to tackle than anything he was doing. Again, Buffalo credit to them because they blew out a team that was just coming off of 70. That's hard to do. But more importantly, Jake, with the Dolphins, I want to real quick focus on Devon A-Chain. He only had eight carries and he had 101 yards and two touchdowns. What we're seeing with Devon A-Chain is the death of Raheem Mostert. And those two fumbles he had, including the one that he lost, I think that's going to be potentially his death knell. And we might see Devon A-Chain, or A-Chan, excuse me, that is how you say his name, A-Chan, and Jeff Wilson if he does come back. Or we just see Devon A-Chan take over this backfield as a whole. Maybe makes in a little Tyreek, a little Braxton Berrios, but... I think that's going to be the big thing to keep an eye on. I'm not too worried about Miami. I do think that the Bills showed that they are still the team to beat in this division. But we also have to remember it was in Buffalo. Miami, they play, I believe, in December. I like Miami in that game. I'm going to say that right now because that heat, I think, will matter. But Jake, moving away from our Eyes on 5 recap of Week 4 and I want to talk about this Thursday night game that we had last night, which was Bears Commanders. And I'll be honest, Jake, I didn't see this coming. You had the Bears absolutely pound the Commanders 40 to 20, and they snapped a 14 game losing streak dating back to October of last year. I think we were like 20 like 19-ish days away from it being a full calendar year since they won a game. The Bears, I'm not going to get too hyperbolic because the Commanders, I don't think anyone thought that it would be, you know, a very dominant team. We honestly thought they'd kind of be the dregs of the division with the Giants. But Justin Fields, I liked what I saw early on because he had a lot of confidence and he looked very, very decisive when he threw the ball. They came out with a deep shot to, I believe it was Darnell Mooney, missed it, and then they went right back to it a couple plays later to DJ Moore and he absolutely torched that corner. But Justin Fields, 15 to 29, 282 and four touchdowns, he's got to be more accurate there were a couple throws that were pretty dangerous. I thought they definitely could have been picked, but I thought, Jake, this running game, now, granted, they lost pretty much every running back they had. Khalil Herbert was hurt. Roshan Johnson got a concussion. I don't remember who their third one is. He was a, Deontay Foreman, he was a healthy scratch. Justin Mm -hmm. Fields basically was the running game afterwards, and they had to rely on Kyrie Blassengame, their fullback. and all that guy was doing last year was blocking for Derrick Henry. I think that if they can run the ball like they did 32 times for 178 yards, now that's granted if they have literally anyone at running back, 
I think that'll definitely help. But DJ Moore, Jake, he had 157 yards. That was his career high for a game. 157 yards. He had 137 in the first half. And he finished with 8 for 230 and 3 touchdowns. He had a hell of a day. He had a career day. If you're a fantasy player and you had him, good on you. I think I saw something. It was like 37% of fantasy owners had him on the bench. So I know they're kicking themselves. And this defense also got after it too, Jake. They they had five sacks and 11 quarterback hits. Sam Howell, I know he had, had an okay game. But Jake, do you think that the Bears, like, do you think Justin Fields has turned the corner or do you think this might be just a passionate and desperate team playing for their lives? I really think that Justin Fields needs to give me at least two more games of this type of consistency before I say the Bears and Justin Fields have turned it around. Even if they lose their next two games, if they can play like this, oh, I'll be like, okay, Fields has finally figured shit out. Let's keep it up. You may not get replaced for Caleb Williams or Drake May if you continue playing like this, Fields. You're playing for your job, pretty much, kid. DJ Moore, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. What he did was astronomical. Three touchdowns, 238 receptions. Yeah, I was really happy with that. They only threw to three different guys, which sounds about right for a Bears passing game. And you are right, Adam. Uh, they need to get the running backs healthy. But it's like you said, if they can keep this run game up for the, with that type of consistency, I love what I'm seeing. You only said Howell had an okay game. I will argue he was the better quarterback in this game. Because he threw 51 times because he had to. His team was down and he was the only thing making that team go. 37 for 51, 388, two touchdowns. The interception, yes, it did hurt them. But he had to play hero ball to really get it back. I think what really hurt the commanders, they only rushed it 10 times with two guys. Brian Robinson got six touches and Sam Howell ran it for four times. Uh, What are you doing, dude? I know you're down, but you can't abandon the run game. You can't have Howell thrown 51 times. Because you kind of need him to be under center with play action. So you can take the deep shots to Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. You need to get this shit going. The defense, they got three sacks. So they did okay. They didn't do amazing. But Chase Young actually showed up a bit. Montez Sweat, another sack and a half. And Jonathan Allen still showing that he can kick ass. At the end of the day, I think the Bears, if they can continue up this consistency... For two, three games, I'll start believing in them. The Commanders, it really sucks they lost. But I think they have a guy at quarterback now. Not the guy, but a guy at quarterback. Yeah, although the reason why I say Sam Howell did have an okay game. Now granted, like you said, 388, that's nothing to sneeze at. But Jake, they were down 27-3 to at half. They had to abandon the run. Again, I don't love when teams abandon the run. Sam Howell was your leading rusher. And those yards that he got, oh my god, that man, I I don't know how he was breaking those tackles. He was looking like Marshawn Lynch running through those linemen. But 
Sam Howell, I have no issues with on that. And I, yeah, I really wish they had gotten Terry McLaurin more involved because, to be honest, you needed to. They didn't really target him. Like, I think at one point he had one catch for three yards and they were in the third quarter. They just weren't looking his way. Now, Logan Thomas had a solid game. Same with Curtis Samuel. But when you look at the targets and where they were going to, he wasn't really taking too many chances. Well, he did later on, but a lot of the things he was throwing was underneath. But I have less issues with the commander's offense because I think Eric Bieniemy, for what it was worth with how far down they were, he did what he could. Washington's defense, though. Jake, we look at this defense as a pretty good defense, especially this D-line. We always look at this D-line as dominant. You have Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Daron Payne, Chase Young. What was this team doing as far as tackling goes? Because they were, they could not tackle anything for a while, and I especially have issue with these corners. On this final DJ Moore touchdown, you are giving him about seven yards a cushion for, and they only need two yards. Now, you did get your hand on it. Fair play to the corner. He got his hand on it, tipped it a little bit. DJ Moore made a play on the ball. Off he goes. Why are you having seven yards a cushion? Get up in these guys. Jam them. I saw way too much cushion, way too much soft defense from the commanders, Jake. The Bears deserved this game because of how bad this defense was. It was a shame. It really was. The Bears fought their they brought their heart onto the field and fought their ass off. I agree with that. I just wish the commander's defense would actually figure things out. The real thing that's really pissing me off is Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, is too stubborn for his own good. Emmanuel Forbes is just getting toasted. He got destroyed by DJ Moore, and if you look back last week, he got destroyed by a freaking receiver who has like 50 pounds on him and AJ Brown. They need to figure shit out with how this rookie plays. If not, this first round pick may not be a good one. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be a good one. Yeah, Emmanuel Forbes got he was he was barbecued chicken. He was burnt toast. He was awful. But Jake, moving on from that, we're going to talk about the New York Giants. Very NFC East heavy podcast so far which we don't usually do we try not to give them too much attention but jake the giants got absolutely annihilated on monday night football this past week against my seahawks they gave up 11 sacks and daniel jones threw two picks he looked he looked abysmal now i'm not so much wanting to talk about the game But I want to talk about the Giants specifically, Jake. Daniel Jones got paid four years, $160 million. He doesn't even look like he should be getting paid minimum wage to work at a drive-thru coffee shop. He is bad. He has been really bad. The only redeeming quality he had all night was he had 10 carries for 66 yards. He was able to use his legs. He's a bum. 
And I try not to get too crazy when it comes to critiquing and going off on quarterbacks, but he's bad. He's really bad. And last week, we did our hot takes of the week, and I said that the Giants are more likely in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes than anywhere near the playoffs. This is showing how right I am because the Giants, they, they've looked bad. Their defense has been Swiss cheese. Their offense has been anemic without Saquon Barkley. As Stephen A. Smith would put it, the Giants are Saquon Barkley in a bag of chips. They've been atrocious. And I genuinely think, Jake, we're looking at the worst team in football. Even worse than the Panthers. Because while the Panthers, they're winless, they at least have seen signs from their team. Their defense has played solid. And Bryce Young, while he did get hurt, he's been hounded and they don't really have a ton of weapons. What's Daniels Jones' excuse? He didn't even target Darren Waller. He cost you in fantasy last week because of Darren Waller. I look at this Giants team, Jake, and all I see is a team that basically should be playing in the USFL and give the champions of the USFL, toss them in the NFL because they seem more deserving. Yeah, this game became a shit show really quick. Uh, Gino really didn't do much, but it's like you said, we're not going to get into the game. We're talking about how the Giants are literally a dumpster fire right now. They are a top three worst team in the NFL, and I feel for that coaching staff, man. They are trying their hardest to get a good product out on the field and nothing they do is working. This team is literally being carried by on offense, Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. That is literally it on defense. Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence. Maybe those are the, those are the only four players that are at least showing some fight in some life. Everybody else. It's just gone downhill. I mean, you give up 11 sacks to the Seattle Seahawks, who have not been a good sack team since the Legion of Boom era. And that is a long gone, unfortunately. The freaking O-line for the, Chi- for the Giants, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know if there was miscommunication, if they just couldn't pull their head out of their ass. Evan Neal... It needs to fucking figure shit out here. He was a 7th overall pick last year. And he is looking like a UDFA at this fucking point. He needs to shit or shit and get off the pot. Or he's going to find himself in the unemployment line pretty damn quick. Not to mention, he called out the fans saying, What's a lion's opinion to sheep? I'm sorry, my guy. The way you've been playing, you look like a damn sheep. My guy looks like... Jake... You ever hear the term of a chihuahua behind a fence? That's basically what Evan Neal looks like. You jump over the fence and they'll shut the fuck up real quick because he's been a bum as well. I'm not going to let him slide. He basically was a turnstile. I think, Jake, I think a paper bag in the wind would have had more resistance than Evan Neal did on Monday night. And if I'm Brian Dayball, I'd be going in to John Mara's office and I would go what the fuck do you want me to do with this you guys chose to sign him 
you guys got in, you interrupted the negotiations because you saw what you wanted to see, which is an Eli Manning replica. When in all reality, you saw a Ryan Leaf Exhibit A. You saw Ryan Leaf, basically. Bum, trash, certified garbage. I look at this team, Jake. I look at what's going to happen moving forward. They're playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins got 70 on the Broncos. Jake, you tell me. Over or under 40 on this defense because, like I said, like you said, you let Seattle get 11 sacks and they have not had an elite pass rusher since the duo of Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. Hell, even when Frank Clark was playing well, he was that he you know he was there, but he hasn't been there since what? 2017 2018 they traded him away to the Chiefs I think Jake if I'm Caleb Williams and the Giants end up with the number one overall pick oh I'm staying in school you got me fucked up if you think I'm going to this mess absolutely not hell no the only reason I would be at least somewhat okay going to this team is because Brian Dayball and your OC those two, I, I like. Wink Martindale, fuck, I don't know what the hell's dealing with his ass. They blitz more than any other team, and they've been getting absolutely cooked. And the one final thing, Jake, that I want to say about the Giants, think about this, Jake. The New York Jets, they signed Aaron Rodgers. They were the winners of the offseason, all offseason. Aaron Rodgers went down four snaps into his tenure with the Jets, and yet the Jets aren't even the biggest dumpster fire in New York. If that doesn't tell you how bad the Giants are, I don't know what will. But anyway, moving on, let's move on to our Eyes on 5 preview for Week 5. And Jake, I'm going to go ahead and let you start things off. What is your first game that you're going to be keeping an eye on this weekend? So... I'm really trying not to pick the same teams consistently because I was really eyeing the Falcons and Texans because you got two of the top three offensive rookie of the year candidates in that game, Stratton, Bijan, Robinson. But I'm thinking, you know what? Nah, I've already done the, the Falcons and the Texans quite a bit this year already. I am going to go for a defensive slugfest. Something that me and you love, but oh yeah, we're the minority in that as NFL fans. I am going with the Saints and the Patriots. I think that this is the game that either Mac Jones is going to get murdered and do another crappy game and show that uh, we may just want to go for Caleb or Drake May here. And Mackie, sorry, you're gone, McCorkle. The Saints, I think that they should win this game hands down because their defense has been playing extremely well and their cornerbacks are going to stuff everything that the Patriots offense can do. They don't have a single guy that can threaten this team. I really don't see how the Patriots have any chance of winning this. I don't have the over-under on this, but the Saints should be up by at least six in my opinion. (laughs) So it's funny you say that because I do have it up. Jake, the line is pick'em and the over-under is 39. 
So they're thinking it's a 20 to 19 ball game, which I definitely could see Saints end up winning it on a field goal or vice versa. I, you're right. This is going to be an absolute defensive slugfest if the Patriots defense had actually been holding teams off. Remember, the Patriots are coming off their worst loss ever. Like, Bill Belichick has never had a worse loss than what he did last week against the Cowboys. Now, teams that play embarrassed, or that get embarrassed, usually play better the next week. I would look to the Patriots to come out with a little bit more fire, a little bit chippier, but, I mean, I'm going to probably pick the Saints in this one because, like you said, the weapons are so rough for the Patriots. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, their main weapon, he's been getting outsnapped and outpaced by the corpse of Ezekiel Elliott. What are you doing? Ramondre Stevenson is very good in the pass game and the run game, and yet you're using him as what seems like your change of pace back, or you're going 50-50 split with him and Zeke? Give me a break. And Juju Smith-Schuster, he's not very good. Credit to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They got him paid. Devontae Parker, not great. I mean, Jake, it, it, the tight ends are probably going to be their go-to throughout this entire game. And the Saints, even though I haven't loved how Derek Carr has played, I would look to him to at least have a solid game. You know, a typical Derek Carr game. Maybe two touchdowns and a pick. And I could see the Saints winning a game that honestly they should win maybe it's a little bit closer than it should be i think the line's about right i wouldn't really bet on it but i would probably take the saints in this game just because bill belichick he's looked he's looked pretty rough and especially this offense mac jones i just don't think he's all that good we've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt you and i he's just not that good I totally agree, and there is one thing that I think is going to be the Patriots' Achilles heel in this game. Christian Gonzalez, their star player cornerback rookie, is out for the rest of the year. And Matthew Judon is probably going to be out for at least four to six weeks. Yeah, and he's their best defensive player in my opinion. Being out your second best, if not your best corner and your best pass rusher, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, hey, you traded for J.C. Jackson. You got him for pennies on the dollar. But uh, I would say give him two weeks before he even does anything notable in that defense again. I can tell you exactly how I feel about it. L. mm -hmm. But moving on to your first game, you had the Seahawks and the... um, I did not because they're on by. (laughs) Oh, right. I forgot. They usually don't get an early week bye. No, usually it's around week seven, week eight. But, Jake, I know I said I probably wouldn't do it. But to be honest, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to be keeping my eyes on the early morning game in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, Jaguars-Bills. And there's a reason for this because, as I said... The Jaguars beat what they sh- a team they should have beat in a Falcons team that doesn't trust their quarterback. Major step up in competition this week because the Bills, they are coming off dominant performances for the last three weeks. They're on a three-game winning streak. Now, 
I think that the Jaguars, if they want to establish themselves as potential division winners and potentially contenders, they're going to have to at least play this game close. But I think that they have to straight up win this game because you have a Bills team that is riding high and there's a good chance we see Von Miller come back for his first game of the year. I would look for him to have a big game. The line here is Buffalo favored by five and a half. I'd probably take the Jaguars and the points here because I do think they can at least try and keep it somewhat close. But the Bills are basically Mike, the Mike Tyson of the NFL, where if they get a lead on you, they can blow you out very quickly. Whereas if you keep them in a close game, that's when they get a little tight and you can maybe steal a win from them like the Jets did when they made Josh Allen cough up the ball four times. I don't know if the Jaguars defense is that good to be able to get that many turnovers, but they did cough out two last week. I think that there's a chance the Jaguars could win this game. I think they will at least cover, but what do you think on that? I think the Bills are going to beat the Jags in the end, but I think it's still going to be a hell of a game. I think you said, what, five and a half points is the cover for the Bills? Yes. I can understand that. You know, I was going to say five or six points. I think the Jags will lose by about a touchdown because I think they're good enough to keep it close. I don't see them beating the Bills unless the Bills implode because we both know Josh Allen has three games a year where he reverts back to his rookie form or his second year form. He makes throws that he should not be making this far into his career. But unless one of those games happen, I think the Bills will show that they are the best team in the NFL and the Jags are going to fall to two and three. I yeah. think if the Jags, this is a must win game for the Jags though. You are third in your division, and you are supposed to be the juggernaut of your division. If you lose this game, you're going to be down two to three, and you're probably still going to be third in the division, maybe even fourth, depending on how the other three teams play. I do think it is a must-win game for them, and I usually hate using the term must-win because it does get overdone, and not every game is a quote-unquote must-win game. We're not really into single elimination yet, because when the playoffs happen, then it literally is a must-win because it's win or go home. But you are right. I do think that the Jaguars need to win this game in order to keep pace in their division. But to be honest, Jake, their division is a little sorry, even with how well the Texans are playing. We do have to remember, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. They will at some point, I think, hit a slide if C.J. Stroud coughs up the ball a little bit. But I think the biggest key to this game, Jake for the Jaguars is to make Josh Allen press because like you said he's been playing a lot more controlled we haven't seen a ton of rookie year or second year Josh Allen and that's because he's been playing a little bit more cautious taking more of what the defense gives him now he will still throw it deep but he won't try so many you know prayer balls if I'm the Jaguars I would try and get an early pass rush, if you can, with Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and see if you can get him to press and make an early mistake. The Jaguars are going to need to have a fast start to keep pace with the Bills in this game. The over-under is 48 and a half. That means you're looking at, you know, 30 to 
you know, 31, 26, well, maybe not that high, but you get my point. It's going to be a game that, you know, around like 21 or 26, 20. That's about what this they're saying for this, give or take. I would probably take the Bills to win, but I would take the Jags to cover. But Jake, moving on to your second game, you had, I believe... The, the Bengals and Cardinals. Yes. I am going two matches this week of not-so-great teams. I'm going against the Cardinals that are showing a lot more life and fight than people gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. And you have the sorry Bengals that are one good sack away for Burrow to be out for the rest of the damn year because I won't let him rest. Ugh, I don't know what the hell is going on with these Bengals, man. Their defense is playing pretty damn good. It's keeping them in games. But you've only scored like mid-50s, maybe 60 points the entirety of the year. You need to either just shut Burrow down for two to four weeks and just say, hey, our star quarterback who we just paid is more important than one season. Or just do something. I don't know what they're doing. The Cardinals, they're playing a lot harder and a lot tougher than what even I... I don't know how you felt about them, but they are playing a lot tougher than what I would have given them credit for at the beginning of the season. They're only 1-3, in three, but shit. I could easily see them beating the Bengals this game around because their offense is playing really good for what they are, and their defense is playing like a mid-tier unit when I thought they would be a lower, a bottom feeder unit. I absolutely thought they would be a bottom feeder. I honestly thought they would maybe win three games, to be honest with you, Jake. But the reason why now the Bengals are starting Burrow is it came out, I believe, today, or no, it was on Wednesday, Burrow said that he was feeling the best he's ever felt, and he actually wasn't on the injury report for the first time this season. So I do think that is a contributor as to why now they're probably feeling okay with him. I do agree. It's one of those things that we're going to have to see before we can believe, but Cincinnati is actually favored by three in this game. I think that's about what the line should be. I would probably look at the Cardinals. I mean, Josh Dobbs, I look at also the reason why he's able to play as well as he is, Jake, is he's able to play pretty carefree. I mean, the man's a rocket scientist. He doesn't need to be playing in the NFL. This is kind of just vacation for him, to be honest. You get to travel to every part, to every major city just about in the country. But... I think that Josh Dobbs, while he's playing, he's going to continue to play what he has been playing, which is pretty carefree but controlled. He's got 814 yards passing so far with four touchdowns. He's been playing well. I look at James Conner, though, to have a really... I think he was going to have a bounce-back game, and he's going to need to because that Bengals front is ferocious. We saw what they did to the Rams the second and injured... Uh, tackle the second they had an injury to the left tackle position I think that the Bengals will win this game I think the Cardinals will keep it close if you force me to take a side on this 
I'd probably go with the Bengals, maybe in the realm of like a 24-20-ish game. I think that would probably be about where it is. So maybe just below, I would probably take just below the over-under. I would take the under. I think this is going to be a bit of a low-scoring game. And I think the Bengals will get to 2-3, and three, which they're going to need to because... The Ravens are still playing very, very well. Now, they're playing the Steelers this week. That's a game, even though it's a divisional game, I think they can win. You're going to need to keep pace with them because they're 3-1. and one. Currently, you're 1-3. and three. You're going to need to get to 2-3 and three if you want to have a chance to try and win this division like I picked you guys to. But, Jake, going into my second game of the week... I have the Chiefs-Vikings. Now, I, I've been trying to not pick the Chiefs too, too much, but they are the games that I have seem to be getting a lot more of, so I'm able to watch them a little bit more. Jake, the Vikings, they, they finally have a win, and they really need it. They really need to get something going. I mean, Kirk Cousins, Jake, he's got 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 4 picks. You look at his stats and you would think, oh, they're they're probably three and one, at worst two and two. They've won one game. The Chiefs defense has been very potent, and I've liked how they've played. Now, granted, they had a little bit of a slippage. They were up 17 to nothing on the Jets before Zach Wilson basically turned into college Zach Wilson against non-ranked teams and ended up torching you know, their defense getting it up to tie 20 all. I think that the Chiefs are going to come out much more focused. I think that defense is going to be coming out with something to prove. And that offense, Jake, the Chiefs offense looked really clunky. Mahomes had two picks, which you don't really expect from him. And he had a third that was, you know, called back due to a holding call. I would look at the Chiefs to potentially blow out the Vikings. I don't usually like picking blowouts, but Kansas City is favored by three and a half. I'd take the Chiefs on that because the Vikings defense is trash. (laughs) It's just straight trash. I don't know what Brian Flores is thinking, but he's not been calling a good game, Jake. He really hasn't, and that's something kind of surprising for me because when I saw they actually picked up Brian Flores in the offseason, I'm thinking like, damn. Okay, they actually got a legit DC this time. But literally, they're just trying to throw everything they can at the wall to see what sticks with this defense. The offense, I'm not worried about. That offense can put up points. When you have Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson as your three weapons and KJ Osborne in the slot, yeah, okay. That could do a lot of damage. And Cousins, okay, yeah. He's been playing really good. He's still... Kirk Cousins, so he's going to throw some dumb balls. But, shit, he's playing decent enough to win games. Hopefully. The thing that's been killing him is, you, like you said, that defense. They have been blitzing like a motherfucker. And they have been able to make it stick. I mean, did Marcus Davenport being out has really affected them. I mean, you lost to Darius Smith, which, ugh, that really hurts them in my opinion. In the offseason, and Daniil Hunter has been playing good. That has been the only bright spot on this defense. 
I can't think of anything else. Yeah, their their defense has been just abysmal. Like I said, I think that the Chiefs are going to come back angry, and I think they're going to come back with a vengeance. I could see this being an absolute blowout. And, Jake, I was looking real quick at the Vikings depth chart behind Kirk Cousins, and you have Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. The reason why I'm doing that is I think that Kirk Cousins could be on the move at the trade deadline. I don't know who will pick him up, but someone's going to, I think. I think they're going to try to move off him. If they lose this game, I think it's all but a guarantee that Cousins is getting dealt at the trade deadline. Because at this point, you're not winning games with him. You can lose games without him just as easily as you can lose games with him. And I know, I'm almost certain that you could probably fetch a second. I don't know if you could get a first, but I think you could get a second round pick from a quarterback needy team. Maybe the Giants try and salvage their season. I don't think the Jets will. They've been trying to ride or die with Zach Wilson. And if he can replicate what he did last week, then they might have something. And they also might save Robert Sala's job. You bring that up. I was actually thinking about what would happen if a Kirk Cousins trade happened. How would you feel about the Falcons? I think that it's one of those things that I would love to see it happen, but I actually have a little theory that I might float towards the end of the podcast involving the Falcons making a trade for a quarterback. But Jake, moving into our final game of our Eyes on 5 for Week 5... I mean, it's no question, this is the potential to be the game of the year, probably the highest rated game, television ratings wise, of the year, and that is NBC, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys, heading up to Levi's Stadium to take on the unbeaten 49ers. Jake, these are two of the three powerhouses in the NFC. You have the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Niners. The Cowboys need to win this game, though. This is one of those games that I would consider a must-win. If nothing else, for the psyche of the Dallas Cowboys. You go back the last two years. You have the Niners knock you out of the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo, who... He's not very good. We Let's be honest. We don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is all that good. Kyle Shanahan made him look good. And even then, Jimmy didn't play all that well. But, you know, the Cowboys blamed it on, you know, the call. Quarterback draw. Didn't have enough time. Okay, no big deal. Last year, the Niners knocked you out of the playoffs again. Brock Purdy was the quarterback. And he put up only 19 points. Your defense held their end of the bargain pretty well. Dak Prescott threw two picks. He played awful. I think, Jake, if the Cowboys lose this game... I genuinely think this is going to sit in their mind, Jake, that we can't beat this team. They've had their number so well. And you look at this riches of offense. McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo. I mean, Jawan Jennings is also solid. You look at their offense as a whole, and you look at how Brock Purdy's playing, Jake. The Cowboys need to win this game. And they need to win it with Dak. Because they need to show... I don't think they can force Brock Purdy into pick sixes and scoop and scores. Think about this, Jake. 
Dak Prescott has accounted for the same amount of touchdowns, four, as the Cowboys' defense and special teams. Dak has not been a participant in these games. If this Niners' defense can make him a participant, which I think they can, they're going to absolutely dominate the Cowboys. I think the game will be somewhat close, you know, maybe a backdoor cover because the Niners are favored by four. A lot of people are taking the Cowboys in that situation. I would, myself, would probably take the Niners. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on this? I think the story of this game is going to be the San Francisco defense and the Cowboys offense. Because you are right. That is going to be how it's going to have to happen. The Cowboys have got to start putting up points and... Yeah, their defense, I think, is going to do good enough to keep the 49ers to middle-aged points. Probably like mid-20s is what I think they'll give up. I don't know if the Cowboys' offense can put up that same amount of points against this 49ers' defense. I love Dak. He's one. Of, I picked the Cowboys to win this division. I think CD is going to feast in this game, but I don't know how I feel about the intermediate game because you have those linebackers, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner for the 49ers. I think the Cowboys have got to dial up something special in this game. If they don't, this offense is going to be sink or swim. And I think they're going to sink the defense on both sides of this ball. I am not worried about Niners offense. I think they'll put up enough points to win. They're not going to put up, 30 40 points they're probably gonna be low mid 20s i have the niners winning this game not by much five six points but cowboys you are right this is a must-win game for them niners can lose a game or two they are far ahead in their division but i the cowboys need to win this if they don't they're gonna be staring at second place in that division and they're not gonna catch up and not to mention jake I think that the biggest thing that it's going to come down to is Cowboys in the red zone. I think, if I remember right, they're one for their last eight touchdown-wise in the red zone. You can't have that. You're not going to beat good teams by kicking field goals. You are going to have to score. I think the key number is going to be 30 points. If the Niners get to that, I think this is a game they will win mainly because I don't know if the Cowboys offense can put up that many. I think that the defense and the offense can put up that many, but just the offense by itself, eh, I don't know about that, especially if they can't get the running game going, which I don't think they're going to be able to. I think Dowdle, he's not going to be much of a factor, and if Tony Pollard does have a big game, it'll most likely be through the air, less on the ground. But Jake, Moving into now our final segment, Hive Mind is back this week. And Jake, the Hive Mind opinion for this week, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here. I think the Seattle Seahawks are legitimate contenders in the NFC. And the reason why is you look at how their offense has played. Now, granted, you look at week one, week one was absolutely awful, but I'm willing to write that off now because you look at week one throughout the league, 
it's really not been all that good for anyone outside of a couple teams because no one plays in the preseason. I look at week one as basically preseason game four where you're trying to get your bearings or if you're Sean McVay, which the Seahawks played, it gives you extra time to dial up trick plays, dial up, you know, things that you won't be able to prepare for heading into week one because you haven't had really any live rounds with the ones. Hence why Seattle got blown out 30 to 13. But since then, Jake, they beat the Lions. They beat the Panthers when Andy Dalton played the game of his life and they just dominated the Giants. Now you can argue they haven't played quote unquote dominant competition, but we look at the Lions as the division winners in the NFC North and Seattle went toe to toe with them and they not, they beat them. I look at my Seahawks and I think the only thing that is holding them back is a consistent pass rush. If they're able to get that they're going to be fine. Now, they have O-line injuries pretty much all across the board, but you look at last week, this past Monday Night Football, Kayvon Thibodeau had the two sacks for their team. Outside of that, Geno Smith and Drew Locke really weren't all that bothered. And the times that they were, they were easily able to escape and get the ball out. I think, Jake, if you look at the combination of this offense with... Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and if they can get Jackson Smith and Jigba going, that'll only make it even more potent. And Noah Fant has also been playing very, very well. And if you're able to get some synergy with that offense and this young defense spearheaded by Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon, who had a coming out party, I think this Seahawks team have to be considered as legitimate contenders in the NFC. Oh, easy. I don't think they're going to be one of the top three, like how we discussed earlier with the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers. But if you want to slot them in as the fourth best team in the NFC, I could totally be down for that. I think they have a little bit to go to really get to that top three conversation. Could it happen by the end of the year? Absolutely. I think if they do break to the top three, it will be number three. I don't see them overtaking the Eagles or the Niners for the top two slots in the NFC. But hey, if they get a better record and showing more promise than the Cowboys, fuck, I could put them at number three easy. Number four is where I have them slotted now in like power rankings in the NFC. But hell, you are absolutely right. The only thing they are missing is a pass rush. Their defense has been playing pretty good this year. They're actually leading the league in pressures right now with 96, which I would not have thought would have been possible for the Niner, for a Seahawks team because last year they were 29th with only like 55, 56 pressures in the league at, through the first four weeks of the NFL season. But if they can keep up this pressure package and the, the sack count, Shit, man. Sky's the limit. I think an NFC Championship berth is not out of the question. I don't think it is at all. And you mentioned the big three. I think that Seattle, Dallas and Seattle, I think would be a go-either-way game. But with how Philly is playing, I do think that Seattle could potentially beat Philly. 
And the reason why I picked Seattle in this division, Jake, is because I looked at Seattle being able to potentially steal a game against the Niners, basically split home and home. The reason why I thought that is because divisional games usually are go-either-way games. And even though the Rams did come out and just absolutely smoke the Seahawks, which most people didn't expect, most people, I mean, you can chalk that up to a week one game where no one was really primed outside of top offensive coaches. But I think that right now with Seattle, how they've been playing and the points they've been able to put up specifically, because Jake, they've put up, they only put up 13 in week one, but then they put up 37, two straight weeks. And then they put up 24 against this Giants team, mainly because after a while they were just running out the clock, which that's the only other thing that I'm really worried about is Pete Carroll's overly conservative nature of, oh, we have a lead at halftime. Let's immediately start chewing clock. No, let's actually put up more points because, you know, that's actually a good thing to do. But they're really young too. That's what I also like. They're super young and being able to, you know, being super young, you get hurt, you're able to recover a lot quicker because, you know, you are young. I think that is an edge that they have over an Eagles team that is aging very quickly, a Dallas team that is constantly injured, and a Niners team that, we look at them, McCaffrey does have an injury history, so does Debo, so does Kittle, and Nick Bosa, remember, he did tear his ACL a couple years ago. They're not necessarily bulletproof. I think Seattle has an advantage in youth that people might not be thinking about. I know I sound a little bit like a homer, which is fair, but I look at this team, Jake, they seem at worst one year away from being in that top three. Oh, easy. I think one year away, and you could see them fighting for a Super Bowl. Now, could I see them trading up for a quarterback in this coming draft with how heavy the quarterbacks are? Yeah, I mean, you want to get uh, Geno Smith's heir apparent because we don't know how long Geno can keep this up. Because last year was a revelation for him. He's continuing it this year. But who knows how much longer this can go. I hope it goes on for a lot for a long time because I love Geno Smith. But if Michael Penix falls in the draft, keep him local. Yeah, that's basically the only way I think they will draft a quarterback is if one of them falls to him, which I don't think is going to happen. But I wouldn't be upset if we did get an heir apparent. But Jake, moving into our final closing thoughts, my closing thoughts real quick, Jake, like I teased earlier when you had talked about Kirk Cousins going to the Falcons. How about this idea? Justin Fields was originally rumored to potentially be getting traded to the Falcons if the Bears had kept the number one overall pick. Justin Fields has complained about the weather in Chicago. He he actually wanted a dome in Chicago. That blows my mind. The weather is your advantage. It gets frigid in Chicago, colder than anywhere else in the state outside of Alaska. But I look at him as a potential Falcons trade because the Bears have their pick and they have the Panthers' number one pick. The Panthers right now are winless. If they get, you know, two, three, and then they're also able to get 
at worst, you know, the seventh or eighth, say they, you know, win four or five games and they're in the top 10 still. I could see them getting a Drake May and being able to trade fields, not have to pay him to a Falcons team that is going to be in need of a franchise quarterback. I think if Justin Fields keeps this up, he's going to be able to elevate his trade stock just enough for the Bears to potentially get a first or a second for him from the Falcons and then be able to flip that pick into potentially getting another piece, maybe in the first round. What do you think about that? I can see where you're coming from because you are right. There was some rumors about him becoming a potential Falcon with if they would have actually kept the first overall pick. I think if he keeps playing the way he is playing, I could easily see it happening because I think Eberflus is going to be gone after this year. And with a new head coach, they want to draft their guy, not stick with the old guy. So if he gets traded, the Falcons are definitely high on that calling list, I think, for going in for Justin Fields. Absolutely. And I would love to see it because Justin Fields is the exact kind of quarterback, I think, for that Atlanta culture. You know, a little bit more his flavor, where Chicago, it's a little bit more rough blue collar I look at the ATL as a bit more laid back you know a more fun culture which I think is perfect for Justin Fields but Jake what are your final thoughts potentially about the Thursday night game a little quick preview of next week's which would be Broncos Chiefs oh god another blowout (laughs) All I think about whenever I see a Broncos game is Russell Wilson has been rejuvenated, and I am happy to see that. That is the only good thing that the Broncos have done this year. The Chiefs, I they put up 40. It wouldn't check me because I don't know what the fuck happened to Patrick Sertan. Vance Joseph has made that guy go from a number one, number two overall cornerback to playing like a top 20 quarterback. Cornerback. Yeah, Vance Joseph, I'll be honest. I If it were me, I would have fired him. He would not have been able to get on the plane after that Miami game. He would have been having to pay for his own flight back home because you can't give up 70. And honestly, it should have been 73 because it should have been the record. And I think if it had been the record, Vance Joseph would have been gone. I look at it, Jake, as... You know, it's a divisional game. I always have to, you know, treat those as more of like a game and a half because they that's about what their value is. They are they they are worth more and it's a different atmosphere. It's almost like a playoff atmosphere. Early on, they are the Chiefs are ten and a half point favorites. I think it's gonna come down to how what the outcome is of the Broncos Jets game. If the Broncos can handle business I could see that line come crashing down probably around, I'd say, eight, eight, maybe seven. If you could get the Broncos plus seven, I would be pretty happy with that. But the over-under is 51.5, so they are straight up thinking it would be a 41-10 game, Jake. Similar to a Chiefs-Bears, where they were down 41-0. Made it at least look a little respectable, but... 
I think that if the Broncos want to have any chance of trying to make the playoffs like I had originally said that they would be, I would really think that this is the game to try and do it. It is an arrowhead, though. Uh, good luck. But, Jake, I think that is going to about wrap it up. Thank you all for listening to Run Past the Brain Cell. Make sure to follow us and subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take it easy.